Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Farah, and joining me is Tyler. Hello. He's back for season four. Yeah. Woo, yay. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yes, last week we talked about uh, the early life of one Mary Todd Lincoln, and we kind of ended it with one event that definitely would impact her. Um, I don't know how it wouldn't. Um, and that was the assassination of her husband, Abraham Lincoln. And that is what we are going to dive into a little deeper today. Yeah, one of the most impactful events in U.S. history. Probably, yes. Yeah. Well, the country probably would have looked a little different if he would have survived. Survived, yep. So not many people know this. There was actually a um, failed attempt to kidnap him prior to the assassination attempt. Um, as the Confederacy began to collapse, uh, Ulysses S. Grant suspended prisoner exchanges. So that was common practice during the Amer American Civil War. They had like a formula. It was like an officer, like a lieutenant was worth like five enlisted men, like a colonel was worth like 25 enlisted men. And they had this formula and they were doing prisoner exchanges throughout the war. Well, as the war is coming to an end, Grant's like, it doesn't make sense to do this because we're just giving them more men to continue to fight us. Yeah, All right. that makes sense from Grant's part. So the plan was to kidnap Lincoln and use him as ransom to get those prisoner exchanges going again. You could do that. I guess. It'd be like, well, give us 10,000 POWs and we'll give you Lincoln back. Um, well, the man behind this plan was one John Wilkes Booth, who was an actor and an avid Southern loyalist. He was actually a very well-known actor. Like, Lincoln actually yeah. knew of him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So after attending Lincoln's second inauguration, he would write in his journal, what an excellent chance I had, if I wish, to kill the president on Inauguration Day. Yeah, he has that famous picture where it's Lincoln's inauguration you're trying to like find John Wilkes Booth and you kind of you can see him, see him up there oh, in the top that, right corner that's kind of creepy kind of looks like him. that's kind of creepy yeah I've never seen that oh, yeah, look at that um after attending Lincoln's uh second inauguration though that's when he is like mm, he's really gonna not like Lincoln yes um so on March 17th, Booth and other conspirators planned to abduct Lincoln as he returned from a play at Campbell General Hospital in Northwest Washington. Uh, but Lincoln did not go to the play. Instead, he intended a ceremony at the National Hotel. Well, actually, Booth was living at the National Hotel at the time, but he went to the hospital instead to kidnap Lincoln. So he had this wow. weird... Like, oh, I'm going to go to your place. Yes. You're going to go to my place, and we're just going to not see each other. Correct. So Lincoln didn't get kidnapped. Um, meanwhile, the, the Confederacy was collapsing even more. On April 3rd, 1865, Richmond, Virginia, the Confederate capital fell to the Union Army. On April 9th, Robert E. Lee and the Army of Northern Virginia surrendered to U.S. Grant at Appomattox. Uh, the Confederate President Jefferson Davis had fled to Georgia. I think he was dressed like a woman. I think he wore women's yeah. clothing to disguise himself. Yeah, and you're like one of the most wanted men yeah. in America. He was I trying think. to get to like South America, ah. I think, Cuba. Because they, they were like, the um, the Confederates were trying to like make packs with all the South American mm -hmm. countries, so that makes sense. And a, supposedly he had a bunch of gold with him. There's a, there's a conspiracy theory on lost Confederate gold. Hmm. And they think it's somewhere in, uh, it's on the border of North Carolina and Virginia. I forgot the name of Blue... Not Blue Ridge. Yeah. 
they think it's buried in a grave somewhere and they don't they, they can't get permission from the family to dig up the grave to, to see it yeah. yeah apparently they left like signs on trees and stuff and there's oh. like this treasure hunter that's oh. looking for this lost treasure yeah. but back to lincoln um booth continued to believe in the confederate cause and sought a way to salvage it so he decided to murder lincoln and that is where the assassination attempts start moving forward uh, there are various theories on Booth's motivations. In a letter with his mother, he wrote of his desire to avenge the South, um, which kind of is is interesting because his family dynamic. His older brother was also an actor. His older brother was uh, Edwin Booth, but he was a loyal uni unionist. Wow, so we got like a house divided here. Mm -hmm. So just like Mary Todd's family, where most of her family members were yeah. Confederate. Um, uh, historian David S. Reynolds believes that despite disagreeing with this cause, Booth greatly admired the abolitionist John Brown. And his Booth's sister would actually say John Brown was a man. Uh, his sister basically said that John Wilkes Booth said John Brown was a man inspired, the grandest character of the century. I have to say I agree. So if you know, don't know anything about John Brown, John Brown was a very staunch abolitionist prior to the Civil War. Yeah. And his his he planned an uprising of slaves. So what yeah. he was going to do was raid the federal arsenal at Harper's Ferry, steal all the weapons, give them to the slaves and let them uprise. Yeah. But before that, he was in Kansas cutting people's heads off with long swords. Yes. Yeah. He was a little on the um, extremist side. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So probably not someone you would admire. You would admire. Yeah. On April 11th, Booth attended Lincoln's last speech in which Lincoln promoted voting rights for emancipated slaves. Booth said that means black citizenship. That is the last speech he will ever give. Oh. So he's he's fully committed now to getting yeah. rid of Lincoln. Yeah. All right. Uh, so um, they wanted to shoot Lincoln right on the spot. He's with um, a, another guy named Powell at this point, listening to the speech. Um, whether Booth made this request because he was not armed or considered Powell a better shot, um, it's unknown. So basically what he says is, he looks at Powell, he goes, shoot Lincoln now. And Powell just says, I'm not going to do that. Um, but at this point, he goes to another one of the accomplices. His name's David Harold, and he says, "By God, I'll put him through." So he is, wow. like I said, fully committed to assassinate Lincoln. Um, on April fourteenth, Booth's morning started at midnight. He wrote his mother that all was well, but he was in haste. In his diary, he wrote that our cause being almost lost, something decisive and great must be done. While visiting Ford's theater around noon to pick up his mail, Booth learned that Lincoln and Grant were to visit the theater the evening for a performance of Our American Cousin. Oh. So back then, they basically printed the president's schedule in the newspapers every day. So you knew what he yeah. was doing, when he was doing it, and where he was doing that it. That would definitely not fly. Like nah, that. not now. Not nope, now. nope. Uh, so this provided him with a specially good opportunity to attack Lincoln. Since he performed at the theater several times, he was very well known within the theater, and he also knew the theater's layout. Booth would uh, went to Mary Stewart's boarding house in D.C. and asked her to deliver a package uh, to her tavern in uh, Sur Surrettsville, Maryland. 
He also asked her to tell her tenant, Louis J. Weishman, to ready the guns and ammunition that he had previously stored at the tavern. So he has been forming an arsenal. In the tavern across yep. the street. Uh, the conspirators met for the final time at 8.45 p.m. Booth assigned Powell to kill Secretary of State William H. Seward at his home. Um, he's going to attempt to do that. I think he beats Seward and like stabs a couple of guys. And then he runs away screaming, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, they were supposed to kill President and Vice President Andrew Johnson. Harold, who we talked about a little bit earlier, he was supposed to be the guide because a lot of these people were unfamiliar with D.C. And then they were supposed to rendezvous with Booth in Maryland. Uh, Booth was the only well-known member of the conspiracy. Access to the theater's upper floor containing the presidential box was restricted, and Booth was the only plotter who could have realistically expected to be admitted there without difficulty. Furthermore, it would have been reasonable for the plotters to have assumed that the entrance of the box itself would be guarded. That is why Booth, um, <clears throat> it, made, it made sense um, for him to go because once again, he's known. It would make sense for Booth to be at the, uh, the top, theater. The top level. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So he planned to shoot Lincoln at point blank range with a single shot Philadelphia Derringer and then stab Grant at the theater. So he brought a blade with him as well. Uh, they were all to strike at the same time, right after 10 o'clock. Um, one of the guys tried to withdraw from the plot, saying, Listen, I only signed up to kidnap the president, not murder him. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's, that's a major difference. But Booth is going to pressure him to continue. Uh, despite what Booth had learned earlier today, Grant and his wife, Julia Grant, had declined to accompany the Lincolns, primarily because Julia Grant disliked Mary Lincoln. Shocking. Yeah, and this was actually a good thing that happened. Yes. Yeah. Um, others in secession had also declined the Lincoln's invitation until finally Major Henry Rathbone and his fiancee, Clara Harris, who is the daughter of a senator from New York, accepted. Wow. So they got that old, oh, you're like our 85th invite because no one else will come with us. Yeah. And they should, they should not accept you. Yeah. <clears throat> that tells you a lot about Mary, Mary Todd Lincoln. Yeah. That all, all yeah. these people are willing to That's decline it. going to a play with the president because of his wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, at one point, Mary developed a headache and was inclined to stay home. But Lincoln told her we must attend because the newspaper said we would. Oh. Can't let the people down. Uh, Lincoln's footman, William H. Crook, advised him not to go, but Lincoln said he had promised his wife. Lincoln told Speaker of the House, uh, Schuler Colfax, I suppose it's time to go, though. I would rather stay, before assisting Mary into the carriage. Lincoln was having premonitions prior to this. He was having premonitions like prior of um, a president being assassinated. Yeah. Now, he never thought it was necessarily him. But, but yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's not a good thing. Yeah. So the president, presidential party arrived late, settled into their box. The play was interrupted, and the orchestra played "Hail to the Chief" in front of the full house of seventeen hundred people. Lincoln sat in a rocking chair that had been selected for him um, from among the Ford family's personal furnishings. With Kirk off duty, that's one of the guards, and Ward Hill Layman away. Policeman John Frederick Parker was assigned to guard the presidential box. At intermission, though, he goes to the local tavern with Lincoln's valet. Yeah, this is, this is where it gets. Fun. And there they run into Booth. 
Yeah. Who is also at the they're tavern. They're at the tavern. Yes. Like, they're like drinking like right next to each other. And they're like talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's unclear whether Parker returned to the theater, but he was certainly not at his post when Booth entered the box. Booth had prepared a brace to bar the door after entering the box, indicating that he expected the guard to be there. So basically he needed to prop it shut so no one could get in. Um, after spending time at the tavern, Booth entered Ford's Theater one last time at about 10, 10 p.m. Uh, he passed through the dress circle and went to the door that led to the presidential box after showing Charles Forbes his calling cards, basically like his acting card, like, yeah, yeah. I'm an actor here or whatever. Yeah. Um, Navy surgeon George Brainer Todd saw Booth arrive and even said at about 1025, a man came in and walked slowly along the side on which the presidential box was. I heard a man say, there's Booth, and I turned my head to look at him. He was still walking very slow and was near the box door when he stopped, took a card from his pocket, wrote something on it, and gave it to the usher who took him to the box. In a minute, the door was opened and he walked in. Once inside the hallway, Booth barricaded the door with the wedge. Uh, from there, a second door led to Lincoln's box, and there's evidence that he actually Booth had gone to the theater early in the, early in the day and uh, bored a peephole through the second door so he can see exactly where Lincoln is. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So he had this, like, all planned out. He had this all planned out, yeah. especially this part. Booth knew the play Our American Cousin by heart since he had acted in it and waited to time his shot at about 10, 15 p.m. because he knew this is when one of the lead actors would deliver a line where everyone would start laughing. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is um, plan. Yep. So Lincoln was even laughing at this line when Booth opened the door, stepped forward, and shot Lincoln from behind with the pistol. The bullet would enter Lincoln's skull behind his left ear, pass through his brain, and come to the uh, rest in the basically the front of the skull. Um, Lincoln slumped over in his chair and then fell backward. Rathbone turned to see Booth standing in gunsmoke, less than four feet behind Lincoln. Booth shouted a word that Rathbone thought sounded like freedom. Rathbone then jumped from the seat, struggled with Booth, who dropped the pistol and drew his knife, in which he stabbed Rathbone in the left uh, forearm. Rathbone again grabbed at Booth as he prepared to jump from the box to the stage, a 12-foot drop. But Booth's uh, spur from his uh, riding horses became entangled on a flag, and he kind of landed awkwardly on his left foot, and I think he breaks it. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, So as he began crossing the stage, many in the audience thought it was part of the play. Booth held his bloody knife over his head and yelled something to the audience. Now, it's not a lot. There's a lot of different beliefs of what he said because all the witnesses are saying different things. Uh, It's traditionally believed uh, he shouted the Virginia state motto, uh, Sic Semper Tyrannis, thus always to tyrants. Um, most recalled hearing Six Semper Tyrannus, but others, including Booth himself, said he yelled Six Semper. Some did not recall Booth saying anything in, in Latin at all. There is a similar uncertainty about what Booth shouted next in English either. Some say he said the South is avenge. Some said revenge for the South. Some said the South shall be free. Uh, some people Something even said, the South. Yep. Yeah. Some even said, he just said, I have done it. Oh, he has done it. So apparently there's a lot of commotion going on. He did do it. Um, immediately after Booth landed on the stage, Major Joseph B. Joseph B. Stewart climbed over the orchestra pit and footlights and pursued Booth across the stage. The screams of Mary, Todd Lincoln, and Claire Harris and Rathbone's cries of stop that man prompted others to join the chase as pandemonium broke out. 
Booth exited the theater through a side door and route, stabbing orchestra leader William Withers Jr. Oh, that's sad. Wow. Just a... Bro, like, that's such a terrible... That's like a, like a fear I have. It's just like just being in the wrong spot at the wrong time and something horrible happening to you just because you're there. Yeah. It's like not none of your doing. Like Yeah, like, like the people that accepted the invite. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as he leapt into the saddle of his getaway horse, Booth pushed away Joseph Burroughs, who had been holding the horse, striking Burroughs with the handle of his knife. Lincoln would be brought across the street to a house where he would eventually succumb to his wounds. Um, within an hour of fleeing Ford's theater, Booth crossed the Navy Bridge into Maryland. There was a Union Army sentry there uh, who questioned him about his late night travel because apparently nobody was supposed to, like civilians weren't allowed to cross the bridge um, after 9 p.m. But the sentry let him go anyway. Um, if only they knew, right? Yep. David Harold, who was supposed to guide Booth, made it across the same bridge less than an hour later and rendezvoused with Booth. The sentry is doing a horrible job. Yeah. She's <laughs> yeah. like, anybody go? Yeah. Um, after retrieving weapons and supplies previously stored at Sarvertsville, Harold and Booth rode to the home of Samuel A. Mudd, a local doctor who splinted the leg Booth had broken in the escape and later made a pair of crutches for him. After a day at Mudd's house, house, Booth and Harold hired a local man to guide them to Samuel Cox's house. Cox, in turn, took them to Thomas Jones, a Confederate sympathizer who had uh, who hid Booth and Harold in Zeke Zakiah Swamp five days until they could cross the Potomac. They're trying to get to like south, south. South, yeah. On the afternoon of April 24th, they arrived at the farm of Richard H. Garrett, a tobacco farmer in King County, Georgia, Virginia. Booth told Garrett he has a wounded Confederate soldier, or he was a wounded Confederate soldier. So people still like don't know. Yeah, news doesn't travel that fast no. in the south or not. not. Nowhere at that time. This happened. Lincoln was assassinated. What on the seventeenth? I remember the seventeenth or thirteenth. Anyway, this—it's at least a week or two has gone yeah. by, and yeah, people still aren't aware of what happened. That's something that people nowadays—they think like, oh, he ran out of the place and they cornered him. At a, they cornered him and shot him real quick. Mm -hmm. But it was—it was quite a few days before they. Uh, so the hunt for the conspirators quickly became the largest in U.S. history, involving thousands of federal troops and countless civilians. Edwin M. Stanton personally directed the operation. He was the Secretary of War, right? Yeah. Um, authorizing rewards of $50,000, which is equivalent to a million dollars a day for both for Booth and $25,000 for Harold and John Surratt. That feels light. Then for killing the president, still a good chunk of change, though. Yeah. Um, Booth and Harold were sleeping at Garrett's farm on April 26th when soldiers from the 16th New York Cavalry arrived and surrounded the barn, then threatened to set it on fire. Harold surrendered, but Booth cried out, I will not be taken alive. The soldiers set fire to the barn. Booth scrambled uh, for the back door with a rifle and a pistol. Sergeant Boston Corbet crept up behind the barn, shot Booth in the back of the head, about an inch below the spot where uh, Booth had basically shot Lincoln severing his spinal cord. Ooh. Booth was carried out onto the steps of the barn. A soldier poured water into his mouth, which he spat out. Unable to swallow, Booth told the soldier, tell my mother I die for my country. Unable to move, move his limbs, he asked a soldier to lift his hands before his face and whispered his last words as he gazed at them. Useless, useless. He died on the porch of the Garrett farm two hours later. 
Uh, Corbet was initially arrested for disobeying orders. That's got a shot booth from Staten that booth be taken alive because they wanted to make him a public, basically have a public trial on him and then execute him in public. Uh, several other was, were put on trial for their connection to the assassination and found guilty. Four were hung, including Mary Surratt, who would be the first woman executed by the federal government. Okay. Uh, there are some conspiracies about Booth, though. Okay. Some believe that wasn't him. Oh. But that's a story for another time. There's always conspiracies. Oh, this yeah. one's a good one, though. Oh. Yeah. There, there's conspiracies that, yeah, that wasn't him. Oh. And, yeah, some other things. Is there going to be an episode on that? There's probably going to be an episode on that. So please tune oh. in and listen to that one. Thank yeah. you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.